The first thing I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take a nice deep breath. What do you smell? A bit of damp earth, but it doesn't smell that bad, which is okay. surprising. So we're not a smelly tip and we're not yeah. a smelly dump. Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang and today on The Detail, I'm at the Helensville Community Recycling Centre in Auckland. This is the clean-smelling, feel-good side of the waste business. But the truth is, New Zealand has a waste problem. In 2018, the World Bank ranked us the 10th worst producers of waste in the world. They estimated that we produced 3.6 kgs of waste per day, per person. That's right. Each of us is throwing out nearly 4 kgs of rubbish every day. So I'm looking at what's being done to reduce it. Trina Galthorpe is the site manager at the not-for-profit recycling centre. I'm just going to give you a little spin around the site. I think, I think the biggest thing here to gain an understanding of how we're diverting waste away from landfill, and we're currently diverting 79.5% um, of the material that we have coming through the gate away from landfill. So that's... That's a lot. That's huge. <laughs> that's huge. So the way we do it is it's actually quite a complex business. And that business isn't the only work happening. The government is currently reviewing law around minimising waste with public consultation to start later this year. It's also introduced a lot of new measures. Meat trays, plastic plates and cutlery and even cotton buds are all on the way out. Customers will be encouraged to return their empty plastic and glass bottles as well as cans in exchange for a refund. More than $120 million from the COVID-19 response fund is going to new initiatives while we'll also have to pay more to dump our rubbish. But it's not enough. Industry players say we need to ramp up our efforts to stop waste going to landfill in the first place. We'll come back to Trina and the recycling centre later. But first, here's Sarah Pritchett from Wastemans, an industry body. I sort of had an epiphany years ago when I was travelling and realised that some of the beautiful spots I wanted to visit as a backpacker were getting ruined by waste. We took our sort of you know, Western lifestyle, and so all these, all this packaging suddenly popped up and wasn't being managed especially well in those countries. And it's a worldwide issue. We, we're creating more and more waste, and we're not always dealing with it in the best possible way. Do you feel like most people don't think about waste at all? There's a lot of people who don't ever think about it, and it's sort of out of mind, out of sight, so they put it in their bin and they don't think about it again. And it's part of the reason it's really interesting for me because I find it really fascinating and quite a few people in our industry do. And so it's how do we get other people to take responsibility for their waste. So what she's saying here is we just cannot keep throwing our rubbish in the bin. And here's why. Landfills around the country are filling up and it's a struggle to find new sites. Take Auckland, for example. Its biggest tip, Redvale, which takes 50% of the city's rubbish, will be full by 2028. Other dumps shortly after. But the proposed new landfill in Dome Valley is strongly opposed by iwi and local communities. Sarah Pritchett has been working in the waste industry since 2005 and says it's not been a very clean and green picture in New Zealand. I think we're doing a lot of catch-up right now. So um, in 2018, the World Bank ranked us the 10th worst producers of waste in the world. They estimated that we produced 3.6 kgs of waste per day, per person. 
and that was about five times the global average of 0.6 kgs. So um, they also noted that that had increased by 20% from 2015. But since 2018, there's actually been lots of work done, um, especially by the government, to try and take measures to make sure we are reducing our waste properly and not just um, having to dispose of it. We do actually have something called the Waste Minimisation Act in New Zealand, and it was made legislation in 2008. What does that actually do? So the the former the waste strategy we have now has been around since 2002, so it predated and sort of led to the um, Waste Minimisation Act, which was pretty groundbreaking at the time. So it's got some great levers in there, but they haven't necessarily been used since it was enacted in 2008. A lot of the Waste Minimisation Act um, is around that responsibility of councils to write a waste management minimisation plan every five years and to talk about or to consult with their community on that and basically detail how they're going to manage and minimise waste in their communities. Since 2008, under the Waste Minimisation Act, the government had the power to do things like ban single-use plastics. But here's the rub. The country had to wait 13 years before it finally happened. It's just successive governments perhaps didn't put a priority on it. All of the waste sector was frustrated because we had this really great act that had lots of potential but wasn't actually being used. In the last couple of years, though, the government has introduced a range of new measures. First, with the plastic bag ban that last month was extended to most single-use plastics. No more PVC meat trays, plastic cotton buds or polystyrene takeaway containers by late next year. In mid-2023, it's goodbye to plastic fruit labels, straws, produce bags, cutlery bowls and plates. Then in mid-2025, the government will outlaw all other PVC and polystyrene food and drink packaging. Price hikes for dumping rubbish. Dumping household waste will increase from $10 a tonne to 60 with a levy being introduced at other landfills in two years, including those that take construction waste. These changes will increase levy revenue from around $30 million annually at the moment to around $274 million by 2025. Investigations into a container return scheme. The idea would see us pay 10 or 20 cents more for cans or bottles of drinks, but we would get that same amount back in cash for the empties for dropping them off for recycling. And accelerating the product stewardship scheme. It shifts the burden of waste management from communities and councils back onto those who actually manufacture the products. Under the scheme, the government has named six priority products that manufacturers have to take responsibility for. They are plastic packaging, tyres, electrical and electronic products, agrochemicals and their containers, refrigerants and farm plastics. And that means that everybody who um, produces that product will have to pay a fee and that fee will then help the consumer get that product disposed of properly at the um, end of its useful life, but it can also mean that measures are put in place to try and make sure that products are made so that they can be more easily repaired and recycled, so that we're actually reusing them over and over again as much as possible and maintaining the value of that product before we have to get it recycled. So um, a lot of the focus of the government has been on trying to move us up the waste hierarchy, so instead of defaulting to recycling 
we're actually trying to reduce creating that waste in the first place. But we're a long way from that happening. I even worry sometimes about where are we heading. We're back at the recycling centre with Trina Gowthorpe. I'm in my mid to late 50s at the moment, <laughs> so I can Keep remember that. that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But I remember in my, maybe in my youth an appliance would last you 20 years and that would be an expectation and if it broke down someone would come and fix it for you. These days we're seeing appliances. I had an electrician coming and repairing appliances for us here and I saw him time and time again look at a machine and he would know what part would fail on that machine. We're designing things to fail because that means someone has to buy another one and that's good business for someone who's producing it. We should be penalising that. We should be penalising that you buy a $2,000 mobile phone and then after three or four years you can't get the updates for them anymore and they just become a paperweight. How can that be? Because if you have a look at what that's costing you per year, so a lot of this comes back to, I feel, government legislation. If there are alternatives and better alternatives to products coming into the country and it's possible, why don't we say... Excuse me, if you're going to package it like that or you're going to build it like that, we're not accepting that into the country because all you're doing is passing your problem on to us. Mm. You need to be doing it in a sustainable way, a recyclable way, where we can meaningfully, and that's where true zero waste lies. All right? So is that what you're hoping the government review will look at? I sincerely do. I think the government has to be really clear and identify what the problem products are. So with our timber, timber can be recycled, but chipboard, those nasty timbers that are made with compressed wood, people are buying furniture that lasts less than a year. And it's because of the type of material that things are being built with. So I think we have to take a really good, honest look at what are these bad materials. Let's stop them coming into the country in the first place. So Trina, we're at the Helensville Community Recycling Centre today and there's a lot of things going on. I mean, if we can just talk <laughs> about what we can see, yep. we've got like a lot of bags, a lot of timber. A lot of piles of stuff. Yeah. But all the stuff that you see in a pile is of the same type of material. Right. And so the theory is if you get enough of anything, it's worth something. The other thing that you'll see across here, so our two most essential pieces of equipment are our forklift yes. and also our high-density baling machine. So if you have a look at that baling machine, the bags over there, we've got all our major businesses in town now recycling through us. We're talking about businesses who used to work on a one-bin system, a big hooker bin, everything went into the hooker bin, a truck comes up, takes it away, takes it to landfill and dumps it. Mm. Now they're sorting out their soft plastics, they're sorting out their cardboard, they're sorting out their paper, and it's coming to us in those bags problem we then have is our markets where those bags go to, usually in South Auckland, so that's a lot of truck miles and that's a lot of impact on the environment. Mm. So we look at something like a simple product like soft plastics. Okay, so that's your plastic film that they often wrap pallets up in or that timber might be wrapped up in. That goes into the high-density baling machine and that's got a 17 to 1 compaction. So you're taking the volume 17 times the volume and putting it down to one times the volume. So when we've bailed those things up, we're sending one truck instead of 17 trucks to take that loose material down. That sounds a lot more efficient. It's way more efficient. (laughs) 
The way the centre works is this. You drop off the stuff you don't want, and depending on what it is, you pay a small price for it to be taken care of in a way that's ethical and environmentally friendly. For example, whiteware is $5 a unit, green waste is $7 for a 50-litre bag, and for scrap metal, it's free. There's a whole range of things that the centre accepts. This material here is all deconstruction material. So this is stuff where somebody's pulled something down. So we've got reusable um, corrugated iron here. We've got sinks from houses. We've got windows. We've got doors. So this is when we're looking at a circular economy. We're looking so people at things... come here and, and buy the corrugated iron, buy the windows and Correct. doors. So it's come from our community and it's recycled back into our community. Let's take a look over here at our timber. We're selling up to 4 by 2 timber, which is 100 by 50, and we're selling that for a dollar a metre. Now, if you go and buy that brand new, that's probably going to cost you 5 or $6 a metre. Mm. So to make things accessible for the people maybe who are on the lowest income in our community, they've got access to products here so they can still build and create and satisfy the Kiwi DIY spirit that we have in New Zealand. Mm. Let me tell you what happens to that TV once it's been dropped okay, up here. let's go. Our TVs are going to head from here. They're going to go over to a place called Abilities on the North Shore and they employ about 120 differently abled people and they strip those TVs down and they take out the valuable parts from them and they on-sell them and that pays their wages. You can see the pile of green waste over there. Good example with the green waste is the green waste gets picked up from here, it gets trucked over to uh, the North Shore to a company called Green Cycle and they're shredding it down into mulch and selling it back into the community again. Now, the ideal for that would be if we had someone in our community doing it, but at least you're getting a product and it's going back into being a product mm. again. And that's the most meaningful way to do things. And do you find that most of the products that come through here, they are in good condition or do some people really abuse the system and just actually bring in rubbish? Well, no, we, we are a transfer station. We have a transfer mm. station function as well. So behind you here, you can see these are our materials that will go to landfill. So these are the materials that we've looked at and we've deemed we can't do anything with. Right. But let's have a look a little bit closer. And the first thing I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take a nice deep breath. What do you smell? A bit of damp earth. But it doesn't smell that bad, which is okay. surprising. So we're not a smelly tip and we're not yeah. a smelly dump. And so this is the most important thing. Part of it is that we cover our material so it doesn't get out to the weather. You're not getting the water in there. This here is a cover yeah. off a mattress. So when a, a mattress is 90% of a mattress is recyclable because most of it's made up of that metal frame on the inside. Mm. So someone will come here and they will pay to drop off their mattress and we strip it down and we put the metal frame, 90% of the bulk of it, into our scrap metal pile to be recycled. And that means only 10% of the mattress is going into the waste stream. Mm. Now, because we're community and because that has a price attached to it, we also tell people when they come here, if you'd like to do it yourself and save the money, this is how you do it. So we're also teaching people how to think about things in a different way. And we're all about behaviour change. Mm. And behaviour change is desperately needed, especially when it comes to plastic. I think plastic will always be one of our biggest challenges. 
at the moment, and there's a lot of things, I don't know what it is about the Kiwi culture, but people love to reject our recycling and say, oh, they're not really recycling or it doesn't work. And I always say to people, well, why would we go to all that trouble to take in the recycling, to bail it on, to send it off to market if there wasn't a benefit from it, if it wasn't doing something meaningful? We're not going to go to all that effort to do that if it's going to end up in landfill. That makes no sense. We just put it straight into landfill. Mm. But we've got some plastics at the moment that have got more value than others. So clear plastic with the number one on it is the one that's the most valuable at the moment. So we're talking about drink bottles. Drink bottles, clear milk bottles have got good value. The light-proof milk bottles have still got reasonable value attached to them. But it's the coloured ones, coloured plastic, it's cleaning bottles. They're really problematic. And so when China closed its doors, when we had China sword, this was really what, what challenged us the most. So but I don't want ice cream containers. Yeah. So some of, these are, some of these are problematic things. We're finding certain markets for certain things. So we're finding markets for our buckets and things like that. We've found markets for CDs, for recycling CDs. So we start to see new things emerging, but really the challenges are that we need government investment because China had all the infrastructure. China was able to deal with almost the whole of the world's recycling. And the minute they closed the doors, no one was able to suddenly spring up infrastructure. So we saw some terrible things happen. We saw our products going to poor countries who took it in mm. and then were burning the, the ones that they can, couldn't get good money for and poisoning their... So it was really irresponsible. And the challenges will always be that in order to do good recycling, you need quite a big volume. And as a small country, it's really hard to produce enough volume to make it worth the infrastructure. So you have to get clever and you have to get innovative. And some of those things are happening in New Zealand at the moment, but that takes time. A little bit like COVID and the reaction getting the vaccine out. You can't do that overnight. And it's the mm. same when someone stops your recycling going overseas. Should it be going overseas in the first place or should we be cleaning up our own messes? Or should we be doing some really simple things? Now, a really simple example of of how we could bring about quite a significant change. When you go and buy a bottle of Coke, it's in a clear plastic bottle. When you go and buy a bottle of Sprite, it's in a green plastic bottle. Would you really care if your Sprite was in a clear plastic bottle? But the difference that that makes on that product being able to be recycled is huge. One of the barriers we have to reducing waste is that it's easier or cheaper often to replace an item than it is to get it repaired. Is that something being looked at here in New Zealand? So I think there's a lot of um, hope that we will start to look towards measures like that, but not sure how that will play out. France... And Spain are just implementing a repairability index so that a producer will have to rate how repairable their product is. And um, if we did the same thing here, then the consumer could say, oh, well, that that product, that um, mobile phone is more repairable than that other mobile phone, so I'll probably get that one. And also Consumer New Zealand are doing a lot of work in this area where they're doing um, their Built to Last campaign. So they're sort of taking apart small appliances like vacuum cleaners and seeing which ones are easier to repair. I guess you'd have a lot of industry backlash, though, and do you think that is one of the reasons why we've been so slow here in New Zealand? 
Well, I think that, that the government has historically, until more recent years, preferred to have a voluntary approach. So they've wanted industry to voluntarily agree to you know, targets to reduce the waste they create, for example. Um, but I think worldwide, you know, voluntary targets don't necessarily work, and that's why um, there's more need for regulation. New Zealand doesn't currently have any targets for waste minimisation. That will potentially come out in the new waste strategy and the um, amended Waste Minimisation Act. So overseas in Wales, they have a mandatory recover. I think it's a recovery target where every council has to, it's a phased in one, so um, every year they have to meet a certain target and if they don't meet that target of recovering or, or basically diverting waste from landfill, then they have to pay a fine. And again, I can't say I'm not on any working group um, involved with the Waste Strategy or the Waste Minimisation Act, but potentially that is something that could be put into place so that all councils need to be meeting a target of diversion from landfill. Where do you want to see New Zealand go in our waste minimisation journey? Instead of having a linear system where we extract virgin materials, make a product, use it sometimes only once and then throw it out, um, you have materials that have been circulated round and round and round and again, and that maintains their values. And um, I can't speak um, from a te ao Māori perspective, but I have had some great teachers from that area who I think would say that it's a similar um, kaupapa to te ao Māori where the mana of the material that comes from Papa Tuanuku is used for as long as possible to maintain the mana of that material rather than just being extracted and then disposed of. So I think there's a lot of uh, shared vision amongst our members about where they want us to go. That's it for today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sharon Brett Kelly. And thanks to Trina Galthorpe and Sarah Pritchett. Ka kete anō.